Hi, welcome to The Halfling. I'm your host, Jaron Pack, and this is episode 26, Calabrimbor Silverfist. Well, as I warned a few episodes back, the consistency of new episodes has definitely been a bit rough as the Rings of Power premiere has drawn ever closer. I'm sorry for the disruptions, but there have been a lot of opportunities that I haven't been able to say no to. The truth is, at this point, it's hard to even keep track of everything because there have been so many things going on, including a chance to attend a press dinner in San Diego a couple of weeks ago that was literally decorated like an elven forest, where it rained food and drink, and where I was able to meet the entire cast, chat with the showrunners, who informed me that they read my articles, which was pretty sweet, and even got to hear a live performance of the score of the show led by composer Bear McCreary himself. Yeah, it was pretty fun. I've also had multiple chances to interview the cast, most of which will be going up live on Looper in the next few weeks, including a 20-minute exclusive interview with Robert Aramayo, who plays Elrond on the show, which went live this past Friday morning. Robert is a serious Tolkien fan, and if you're interested in hearing the actor's thoughts on his character, you can find the link on the Halfling Twitter page or on my Looper writer profile. To top it off, I've got more interviews coming up, and I'll be attending the premiere of the show in the Big Apple, too. So much going on. Did I mention that I'm in heaven right now? All that to say, my slate has been overflowing for weeks now, and it doesn't look like it's going to lighten up anytime soon. But never fear. I saw this perfect storm coming a while back, and I've made an extra effort to carve out some time to really keep the content flowing your way over the next couple of months. As of the release of this episode, the Rings of Power premiere is less than a month away, and for all of the love and hate the show is getting, I, for one, am excited to spend some time in a new version of Middle-earth, no matter what it may have in store. I'll have more takeaways from the show when it airs, and I may even have some company as I break things down. More on that later. In the meantime, I just want to say that I'm happy to both be back and to have multiple episodes coming out in the next few weeks before the show starts. Episodes that are all going to focus on the life and times of a fellow that rides the line between kind of obscure and really important. I'm talking about Celebrimbor, the elf who forges the rings of power, or I guess co-forges them, or at least most of them and Solo forges a few on his own. Uh, Don't worry, it'll all make sense soon. Celebrimbor is an interesting character, though. He was invented to provide some of the backstory of the One Ring in the Lord of the Rings narrative, but as with all things Tolkien, the author just couldn't leave a character sitting there without a satisfying backstory. So the Professor, or Mr. Tolkien, as Robert R. Meyer referred to him, had to go back and whip up an intricate backstory to fill out the elvish craftsman's existence in the larger Middle-earth narrative. And we're going to start digging into that narrative today. So, let's begin with a good old name breakdown first, shall we? The name Celebrimbor has several different translations, even though they all point toward pretty much the same thing. According to the book Unfinished Tales, and also the book The Silmarillion, the name Celebrimbor means Hand of Silver. The book The Peoples of Middle-Earth says that the name means Silverfist, which I personally like better, hence the title of this episode. At another point, that book also calls him Celebrimbor of the Silver Grasp, and adds that the words 
Calabrin mean silver, and par mean the fist or closed hand. Put them together and you get Calabrimbor. Put all of this together and you get the very exciting mashup of Calabrimbor silver fist hand of silver of the silver grasp. Yeah. Anyway, Celebrimbor's origin is just about as vague and confusing as his name. It all points in the same direction, but it has quite a few different twists and turns depending on the version you're reading. It's one of those stories that Tolkien just couldn't quite nail down. In a note in Peoples of Middle-earth, Christopher Tolkien, his son, even says, quote, Like Gilgalad, Celebrimbor was a figure first appearing in The Lord of the Rings, whose origin my father changed again and again. End quote. So yeah, we're dealing with another one of those complex characters, and we're going to try to make a coherent story out of it. And in spite of all of the variations and the lack of data, when you piece everything together, it's pretty clear that Celebrimbor arrives in Arda, that's the Earth, very early in Tolkien's histories. He's also probably born in Valinor, that is, away in the west of the Middle-earth continent. Eventually, his people, including his troublesome father and grandfather, leave the Blessed Realm and they head into exile in Middle-earth proper. Their objective? To chase down the Dark Lord Morgoth and reclaim the jewels called the Silmarils, which the Dark Lord stole. So, when they leave, Celebrimbor goes with them, but he's not necessarily on board with everything that's going on. He does go off in search of adventures in Middle-earth, but there's a lot of other stuff that he doesn't quite agree with, we'll get to that in a minute. First, though, tragically, his mother remains behind when he leaves, and we never hear about her again, so there's an immediate rift in the family between his father, his grandfather, and himself leaving, and then his mother staying behind. Okay, so far I think this makes relative sense. Celebrimbor is an immortal elf. He's born really early on in the Middle-Earth timeline. He leaves with his people, the elvish subgroup called the Noldor, which we've talked about before, and he goes into exile even though it causes a rift in his nuclear and extended family. And then things get complicated. See, in the first drafts where Celebrimbor shows up, he's just described as a survivor of Tolkien's famous tragic city of Gondolin. Specifically, in Unfinished Tales, it says that, quote, Galadriel and Celeborn had in their company a Noldoran craftsman named Celebrimbor, end quote. It goes on to say that he's a survivor of Gondolin and one of Turgon's greatest artificers. Turgon is the king of Gondolin. It's pretty cool stuff, but he's just another dude, kind of following Galadriel and Celeborn around at this point. There are some other versions of the text where he isn't even a Noldor, which, as we'll see, is kind of important because they're known for their incredible skill as craftsmen, which plays heavily into the whole Celebrimbor shtick. Instead, Tolkien toys with other ideas of having him come from a couple of different groups of elves. At one point, the Talaran, and another point, the Sinda elves. And I know this can be confusing, but suffice it to say, Celebrimbor went through a lot of pretty dramatic revisions. But right from the get-go, the author starts leaving notes to himself that this guy needs to be more important. And eventually, he settled on Celebrimbor's rather illustrious final, or at least as final as that ever got, backstory. And here it is. Celebrimbor is the grandson of the infamous elvish leader Feanor. This is the guy who forges the Silmarils. Feanor is the epitome of an elf gone bad. He's hot-headed and violent. He also has seven sons, and one of these is named Curufin the Crafty, which, yep, is definitely a spoiler about this guy's moral quality. I do like the play on words here, though. 
Corifin is a big jerk and a scheming villain in The Silmarillion, which goes really well with the whole crafty moniker. But it also points out that he inherited a lot of his father's skills as a craftsman. See that? Crafty? Craftsman? Anyway, Curifin is primarily known for just being a really terrible guy. In fact, at one point he and his brother Keligorm plot to usurp the throne of an entire elvish kingdom called Nargathrond. Long story short, they're caught and kicked out, and we're not going to go into detail about that here. For our purposes, we just need to note one crucial detail. Kurufin's son, a relatively unknown fellow at this point, named Celebrimbor, doesn't follow his dad. He already followed him out of Valinor, but at this point, when his dad is literally trying to take over kingdoms, he doesn't follow. In the Silmarillion, it says that, quote, In that time, Celebrimbor, the son of Kurufin, repudiated the deeds of his father and remained in Nargathrond. End quote. So, the son rejects his father, and indirectly his grandfather, whose oaths and deeds cause a ton of issues early on in Tolkien's writings. Like, a ton of issues. Elves going into exile, and killing each other, and backstabbing others, and all sorts of crazy stuff. The family business is really ugly, and Celebrimbor wants out. So he takes the chance, when his father is physically removed from Nargathrond, to renounce the whole thing and get a clean start. Like, a fully clean break. In Unfinished Tales, it literally says that he's, quote, estranged from his father, end quote. And the Peoples of Middle-earth book summarizes the episode by saying Celebrimbor, quote, was son of Curufin, but though inheriting his skills, he was an elf of wholly different temper. His mother had refused to take part in the rebellion of Feanor and remained in Amman with the people of Finarfin. During their dwelling in Nargathrond, as refugees, he had grown to love Finrod and his wife and was aghast at the behavior of his father and would not go with him. He later became a great friend of Celeborn and Galadriel. End quote. All right. After the whole breaking off from the family business thing, Celebrimbor spends some time living in the elvish city of Gondolin. This is a hidden city that becomes the crowned jewel of elvish accomplishments during the first age of Middle-earth history. During his time here, some accounts explain that Celebrimbor also learns quite a bit from a famous elvish jewelsmith, and I'm going to butcher this pronunciation, but the jeweler is named Enerthil? I think that's it. Anyway, during this time, he's connected to the creation of a jewel called the Elfstone. This is a really cool, powerful gem that holds a really important place in elvish lore. There's a chance that Celebrimbor also makes a second version of that hallowed gem at the request of Galadriel later on, but we'll touch on that at a later point. The history of the Elfstone is honestly very complicated and could easily get its own podcast episode. I just want to include it here to just to say that by this point in his life, Celebrimbor is already starting to associate his crafting skills with some pretty powerful jewelry. More to come on that front, folks. Eventually, Gondolin is discovered, and it's destroyed. Presumably, Celebrimbor survives the sack of the city because, well, I mean, he's alive later on. But we don't get any first-hand details. Instead, he just kind of disappears from the narrative for several centuries. The First Age ends, Morgoth is destroyed, and the Second Age begins. Sauron flees into hiding, and the elves that remain in Middle-earth settle down into new kingdoms. One of these is called Eregion. At least that's what the elves call it, and men call it Holland. It's founded 750 years into the age, and it lasts for roughly a thousand more years. Its leader? Celebrimbor. So, let's talk about Eregion for a minute. 
When the Fellowship of the Ring heads south from Rivendell in the second half of, well, the Fellowship of the Ring, the group heads into an area called Hollen. Recognize it? There are some ruins in the area still fairly, mm, how should I say this, clean feeling? It feels like an area that once housed a bunch of elves. In fact, Gandalf literally, he, he mentions that, quote, many elves lived here in happier days when Eregion was its name, end quote. And Legolas literally says in reference to the area that while the elves were strange to his woodland folk, they lived there so long ago that the trees and grass don't even remember them. But, quote, only I hear the stones lament them. Deep they delved us, fair they wrought us, high they builded us, but they are gone. They are gone. They sought the havens long ago. End quote. So, what is this group of mysterious elves that occupied this long forsaken land and built high structures with stone and all that jazz? Well, it was Celebrimbor and his Noldor and elves, of course. Around three quarters of a millennium into the Second Age, as we already said, the Elvish Lord, and yes, we're going to start calling him a Lord now, he arrives in the area and they start building a city, practically in the shadow of the nearby Misty Mountains. The area becomes the Kingdom of Eregion, and it is referenced as the only lasting realm of the Noldor that is built this far east into Middle-earth. Now, just to be clear, this is the farthest east that the Noldor elves go. Remember, this is a subgroup of elves who banish themselves into a self-imposed exile from the Blessed Realm in the West, way at the beginning of the Silmarillion. The point is, this is part of the elves, not all of the elves, and they go into the West, and then later they come out of the West and banish themselves, and Celebrimbor is part of that banished group, and he ends up leading the tip of the spear, so to speak, by settling the farthest east Noldor kingdom of them all. So his group of Noldor get the furthest away from the Blessed Realm that any of the Noldor ever get. There are, of course, plenty of other elves even further east, but these are wild elves, like the wood elves of Mirkwood, or the elves living in Lothlorien. Now, Erigion is the last Noldor settlement, and its center is in a glorious city called Ost in Ethil, which, cool name alert, means Fortress of the Eldar. The main road from this magnificent elvish city heads further east, straight into the Misty Mountains. Why? Because there's another group of people living nearby, the dwarves of Khazad-dûm. The fact that these two groups are neighbors isn't a coincidence either. Celebrimbor and many of his fellow elvish artisans are interested in networking with the dwarves because the subterranean dwellers discover a very precious metal in their minds, a metal that can't be found anywhere else in Middle-earth. That's right they find mithril. The ultra-precious substance is excellent for smithcraft, especially if you want to, um, say, draw some signs on a hidden door or make some powerful jewelry. So, Celebrimbor sets up shop nearby and ends up discovering more than just a great source of traffic for a limited resource. He also finds something that money can't buy. Friends. No, for real though, the relationship between the elves of Erigion and the dwarves of Moria is really, really cool. We already talked about it from the dwarvish perspective in the Narvi episodes that we just finished, but for now we won't be able to talk about it from the other elvish perspective quite yet. It's a topic that we'll have to wait until next time, when we'll dive into the incredible accomplishments of these two people groups in their brief, yet important time living as neighbors. All right, that's it for now. Until next time, friends.
This episode is brought to you by, well, me. And despite the fact that I've memorized whole chunks of Tolkien at this point, it still takes quite a bit of work to pull each of these together. There are also some recurring expenses that come with keeping the show on the air. So, if you're interested in helping, I set up a way to toss a few dollars toward covering costs. Just go to buymeacoffee.com slash thehalfling. That's buymeacoffee.com slash thehalfling. If you make a donation, thank you very much. And either way, I hope you'll stick around for all the fun. All right, that's it for now. Until next time, friends.